Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available for pre-order, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Rod, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. So let's talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why these two volume books can be such a great resource for anyone listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Pastor Ron, thank you. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to pre-order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices, 757-276-1099. And if you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You may already have a relationship with Jesus, but do you have a close, intimate relationship with Him? Well, the book of 1 John was written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was extremely close to Jesus, so close, in fact, that Jesus entrusted His mother Mary to John as He was dying for our sin on the cross of Calvary. Today, Ron encourages you to develop that kind of relationship with your Savior and shows you what that intimate fellowship looks like. Stay with us now as Ron moves ahead in his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, or visit somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Dr. Ron Jones with his message, 1 John, Walking in Fellowship with God. In uh, Leonardo da Vinci's painting called The Last Supper, the Italian Renaissance uh, artist depicted John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, sitting next to the Savior 
with his head resting on his shoulder. I'm sure Da Vinci got this from John chapter 13 and verse 23, which begins the upper room scene uh, where Jesus shared intimate conversation and fellowship with 12 of his closest friends and followers, his disciples. They had this upper room experience less than 24 hours before Jesus went to the cross. Uh, It it seems that, that John, the disciple John, had a closer relationship with Jesus than the rest of them did. In fact, while Jesus was dying on the cross, you may remember that he spoke seven last words. Among them, he entrusted his own mother Mary to John. Just another indication of how close uh, John, the beloved disciple, was to Jesus. Do you have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus? Are you walking in fellowship with God and with others? I didn't ask you whether you have a relationship with Jesus, although that's important to, to understand and consider. You come into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith alone, by God's grace alone, and in Christ alone. But I want to talk to you today about whether you're close to him, whether you have an intimate fellowship with him. Now, intimate fellowship is scary for some people. It's scary in a marriage relationship. Maybe you're not as intimately close as you would like to be, or you don't understand that. A lot of us, you know, we we, we want to keep our distance from close, intimate relationships. Some prefer a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I'd love to have a relationship with Jesus, albeit a distant one. I want to keep my my safe distance from him. Kind of reminds me of a scene that we came across early on in the ultimate road trip through the Bible in the book of Exodus, where the Lord instructed Moses to build what was called the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. It was a place where Moses and the entire Israeli camp could, could meet with God. And in the book of Exodus, it says that Moses would go out to the tent of meeting and he would stand there at the entrance and and the cloud would form and he would step into the tent of meeting and he, he would meet with God there. Simultaneously, the people would come to the edge of their own tent and they would watch Moses. But they were invited to go to the tent of meeting as much as Moses would, but they stayed right here at the edge of their tent a comfortable, safe distance from an opportunity to have intimacy with the Almighty. It was always a head-scratcher for me when I read that in the book of Exodus. Why is it that we're, we're comfortable with a safe distance from Jesus when he invites us to come closer? Fellowship is an important New Testament concept. For example, the apostles' teaching in the early church was always connected to the fellowship they enjoyed with one another as believers. The Greek word koinonia translated fellowship. It means fellowship, sharing in common, communion. The word appears 20 times in the New Testament, including three times in the opening verses to 1 John, which is our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible a stop where God is gonna ask us to come in a little bit closer as he tells us some of the conditions of intimate fellowship. Uh, Fellowship uh, sets forth John's major theme in these first few verses. Now, to understand the difference between fellowship and relationship, let's think about marriage. 
You know, you can be uh, in a marriage relationship. I'll just use my own marriage as an example. Catherine and I have been married for going on 28 years. We have a marriage contract. We have a, a, a wedding album we can look back on and remember, oh, we, we stood at the altar there and exchanged vows and uh, we, we wear a ring that says publicly, you know, we belong to each other. We're in a marriage relationship. But we haven't always been in fellowship with each other. Don't look at me like that. Come on now. Anybody who's been married longer than the honeymoon knows exactly what I'm talking about. Conflict can enter into a relationship. And, and you have you know, those, those terrible days. At least they're terrible for me. When I'm out of fellowship with my wife, it's a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. But I'm still in relationship with her. Likewise, you can be in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You're a child of God, a member of his forever family, but at any given time be in or out of fellowship with him. Maybe you're here today and you say, I just don't feel very close to God. I don't feel as close to him as I used to. Okay, we're gonna talk about that today. And how you experience and walk in fellowship with God. Given his special relationship with Jesus, John is exactly the right disciple to talk about this. And he writes 1 John as sort of a companion to his gospel. And uh, we're gonna hear some echoes, some echoes from the Upper Room Discourse recorded in John chapter 13 through 17. But in the opening verses of his first epistle, John writes in verse three, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This intimate fellowship John's gonna describe for us is always first vertical and then horizontal. And he's always got those, those two axes in mind there. Now the Apostle John is near the end of his life when he writes his uh, three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's probably somewhere 85 to 90 AD, near the end of the first century. His exile to Patmos, the island of Patmos, where he spent his final days, and when he received the vision of the revelation of Jesus Christ is still to come. By this time though, he is the last of the living apostles and an old man. And so he writes with a fatherly tone, John does. Chapter two, verses 12 to 14, he, he says he's writing to little children and then to uh, young men and to fathers. And there's a fatherly tone to John's writing, but uh, uh, you understand when you see that he's at the end of his life here. He, he is the overseer of a network of house churches near Ephesus by this time in his life. He writes one letter and uh, two what I call postcards. I mean, second and third John are, are so small that we're gonna take them together uh, next week. But they are among the New Testament general epistles. Uh, John writes first John to the broader network of house churches. He writes second John to a specific house church and third John to a guy named Gaius who is a member of um, one of the house churches. Second only to the Apostle Paul, John is the most prolific writer in the New Testament. He, con he uh, contributed the Gospel according to John, three letters or three epistles plus the book of Revelation, which we'll get to at the end of our uh, journey here.
still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, First John, Walking in Fellowship with God. Do you need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org and share your request. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option right at the top of the homepage and then just scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. There's a difference between your relationship with God and having fellowship with God. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, First John, Walking in Fellowship with God, here's Dr. Ron Jones. But why did John write 1 John? Well, he states his purpose emphatically at least four times. You might want to write down at least these references. Chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John makes the strong point, the strong connection that our fellowship with God and others completes our joy. Again, when I'm out of fellowship with my wife for some reasons of conflict, it's a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And when we're out of fellowship with God, for many reasons that we'll discuss, or out of fellowship with one another, oh, you ever been in a church conflict? It's a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. John says, I'm writing to complete our joy. And it's all about fellowship. Chapter two and verse one, my little children, here's that fatherly tone. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, and he's writing to Christians here, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John is gonna make the point that generally speaking, the number one thing that breaks our fellowship with God and that grieves his, his spirit and grieves the relationship is sin. It's sin, child of God. But if we sin, he says, we have an advocate. You know what an advocate is? A defense attorney. That's the idea here. The devil is our adversary and he's the accuser of the brethren. That puts him in a prosecutorial role. The devil prosecutes us. Jesus is our defense attorney. Somebody shout amen. This is good news this morning. Because when you stumble and fall, you have an advocate. You have the Lord Jesus Christ defending you, child of God, because uh, he purchased you through his blood on the cross. Chapter two and verse 26, John says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. See, a false doctrine about Jesus called Gnosticism arose in the first century. And part of John's goal here is to correct that. And he's gonna make the case that if you follow the false doctrines of the many antichrists, he says, you're gonna be out of fellowship with God as well, out of step with him. And then chapter 5 and verse 13, listen to this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know today in this moment that you possess the free gift of eternal life and if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Do you know that? Uh, some people say, well, uh, we can't know for sure if we are saved. They deny what's known as the doctrine of eternal security. That you know that you know. And you can never lose your salvation because you are forever uh, secure in the family of God. 
And because they deny the doctrine of eternal security, they have no assurance of salvation. Uh, they, they, they wake up one day and say, you know, I just don't feel saved today. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has everything to do with what God has done for you. And John tells us, I'm writing these things so that you will know. I, I, I kind of have a sense that he does because when you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you don't feel close to him. You feel like, oh, maybe I'm, I lost my salvation. No, I'm writing so that even in those circumstances, you know that you know that you're a child of God. You may have to get right with him on some things and get back in fellowship with him, but you're still in relationship with him. That's another reason to say amen <laughs> and, and shout hallelujah this morning. The word know appears 32 times in 1 John. He wants us to know some things. And it seems again that John wrote 1 John as sort of a companion to his gospel, which emphasizes the word believe. In the gospel, according to John, he wants us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John, the beloved disciple wants believers in Jesus Christ to know that what they have believed about him is true and to be assured of that. Now, John did not write his epistles in the same way that Paul wrote. Paul used a very linear and logical approach, and that works with my left brain pretty well. Uh, for years, I've read uh, the epistle of 1 John, and I, I, he's, it just seems like he's all over the map. And as I dove into it a little bit more uh, this week, um, I, I began to realize, through the help of some others that have gone down this path too, that John doesn't write like Paul, logical and linear. He writes in what I would call a more oriental way. What do I mean by that? Well, he presents a few major themes about life and eternal life and our fellowship that we enjoy while walking in God's light and walking in God's love, and we'll unpack that as we go on here. But he presents these major themes and then he cycles back through them repeatedly and seemingly randomly in a way that amplifies the truth. He's writing in, in an Eastern way, not a Western way. We think very logically and linearly, in a linear manner. Linearly isn't a word, is it? No. But you know what I'm talking about there. So John just has a different writing style than, than Paul does. And when you understand that, oh, it opens up the book. It opens up the book. Throughout his first letter, John contrasts light and darkness love and hate, good and evil, Christ and antichrist, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then John also sets forth seven tests of genuine faith and fellowship with Jesus Christ. Each of these tests begin with a phrase, if we say or whoever says. I've given some names to these tests to help us remember them. I'm gonna speak quickly. You just write them down, the reference and the test. They're there in your notes there. Chapter one and verse six, the fellowship test. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Chapter one and verse eight, I call it the truth test. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Chapter one and verse 10, the word test. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter two and verse four, the obedience test. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 
Chapter two and verse six, the abiding test. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Chapter two and verse nine, the light test. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And then uh, chapter four and verse 20, the love test. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Uh, John pulls no punches, he's direct, he's to the point, he adds no fluff. And that gets us ready now to look a little bit closer at two of the major themes that in an oriental kind of way he just keeps kind of coming back to seemingly randomly, but in a way that amplifies the truth. The first major theme is walking in God's light. And following the prologue, which is chapter one, verses one to four, which recalls uh, the apostolic authority that John and others possessed because they had heard and seen and touched the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let me just pause there for a moment. Uh, John is almost speaking in legal language here. He's bringing evidence to uh, support the reassurance of our faith and fellowship. And if you were bringing evidence to a, a, a courtroom, you know, uh, eyewitness testimony is powerful. Listen, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. He's, he's onloading uh, uh, several of the senses, of the five senses that we have. He's bringing evidence. He says, in light of that, Let's talk about our fellowship with God. And he begins to describe in chapter one and verse five the conditions of fellowship with God, that's the vertical, and with others, that's the horizontal. Let's pick it up in verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now John begins with a metaphor. He says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all, not even a shade of gray. And light in the Bible is a metaphor for truth, thus Communion with God, intimacy with him, and fellowship with him depends upon us walking in the truth, or as John says, walking in the light as he is in the light. Here's the problem with most of us, even as Christians. We love the traffic in gray areas. Rather than saying, I wanna see how close I can get to God and how, how much I can walk in the light, I, I wanna get as close to the darkness as I can without actually being in the darkness, but I'll, I'm, I'm comfortable here in the gray area. And that may be one of the reasons you're not as close to him as you can be or as you used to be. If you're a believer in Christ, your relationship cannot and will not change 
Your level of fellowship might vary from time to time, but your relationship is secure for all eternity. Take comfort in that truth today. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, 1 John, Walking in Fellowship with God. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, be sure to stop by somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's a lot to digest there and to think about. But he, he's, he's getting us to consider our, our vertical love for God and our horizontal love for others and the impact that ha- that has positively or negatively on our fellowship with God. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, First John, Walking in Fellowship with God. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.